When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, daily YouTube videos, and I'm a longtime podcaster. Also, I have metastatic stage 4 prostate cancer that came out of remission in January. During the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home, and the Life of Fitz podcast was born. Four years later, I'm back in my cancer fight and continuing this podcast, calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I have met throughout my 35 years in this industry. And now I'm adding in some new friends to my call list. And of course, I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Back in 1969, Pat Bosco was seeking a new college. He was a junior, and he wrote a bunch of schools, and the only one that really replied with any substance about what the student life was like was Kansas State. He's from Syracuse, New York. So he got on some planes, and he remembers flying into Manhattan on a little three-seater. This place is beautiful. He became student body president. He started to work for the school. And eventually he was elevated to the vice president for student life at Kansas State. If you were a student being recruited or you were on campus, Pat Bosco was involved in some way. And when John Weefald was called in to rescue Kansas State University, he was the first person Doc Weefald elevated because they had an immediate connection. They were on the same page. And Bosco helped grow this institution to enrollment figures it had never seen before. He was part of a great team in the 90s that turned around the entire future of Kansas State. Pat Bosco in his purple cars, Pat Bosco in his handshake, Pat Bosco in his eternal optimism is so K-State. As I said, he retired in 2019. He still calls this place home, and he'll never leave. And I'm so glad that I was able to get Pat Bosco on as this week's Life of Fitz guest. So now, let's call Pat Bosco, the internal optimist and ball of energy in Manhattan, Kansas. Tim. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Very, very fine. What uh, What keeps you busy these days? Oh my lord, we uh, we decided about three years before I announced my retirement. I was sixty-seven. Uh, we're going to retire no matter what. I was when I was seventy. That was a promise I made to my wife Susan, and I was trading all of my titles, uh, vice president, dean, and whatever they had for me. Uh, traded all in for grandpa. And we, uh, we center our lives around uh, being grandparents to uh, Hannah and Henry, uh, who live in Kansas City. They're 9 and 12. 
And so we center everything around our activities. We, uh, I, I coach uh, my daughter, Mary Catherine, and I coach our nine-year-old daughter, uh, granddaughter in softball. And uh, we have a family consulting business um, that we hold a national leadership conference every year in, uh, in November. We uh, travel a great deal. Uh, still raise money for my uh, my scholarship programs, the Bosco Leadership uh, Scholarship Programs, and uh, enjoy Las Vegas and cruising and having a, a just a wonderful time. Sounds pretty. Oh, Chris, good. Chris, go to K State football, basketball games, and I'm a tremendous fan, as you know. Yeah, that just sounds awesome. I'm ready. Can I? Will you adopt me? I mean, I'm a little uh, old. Hey, I tell you what. I tell you what. We're uh, my wife's making her world famous. Uh, spaghetti for lunch. Uh, you can come over for meatballs. Oh no, you can't come over there. She she uh, she's already preparing just enough meatballs for me. <laughs> Which is like a half pound, two pounds, somewhere in there. About that. About yeah. that. It's, uh... Pat, it, it was a remarkable career when you came. What was it? Nineteen seventy one when you came to Manhattan. Yeah, actually, sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine. My first semester at K State. Wow. First, uh, first home football game. Uh, we won. We won two away games, and we watched the. We watched uh, the two games away on the f- in the field house floor, which might be your 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 listeners remember was all dirt. Yeah. And then our first home game was uh, Penn State. They came in, uh, and as an East Coast uh, product, uh, watching uh, watching Penn State come in nationally ranked, we lost seventeen fourteen, almost beat them. And then the next next week, uh, Oklahoma came in. Of course, we, we had homecoming and we beat them. It was a 59-21, something like that. Shocked the world. I thought that was K-State football. With, yeah. With Lynn Dickey and his white shoes and and uh, Vince Gibson, we're going to win. And Purple Power, uh, it was it was incredible. So you were watching games at the stadium when the stadium was brand new. Yes, yes, yes. And, and also, um, we had uh, cards. In '69, uh, in the student section, oh, we held up uh, messages. <laughs> People don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was such a cool football tradition that went away. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing those photos. Yeah, that's that. That'd have been cool. You couldn't get kids to do that nowadays. They wouldn't put down their phones long enough to focus on flipping the right card at the right time. Well, uh, some some campuses uh, don't have enough students coming to the football games to hold True. up the. The sign uh, that they that they put up that we we put up either Doom or Family or, or the Power Cat. That's a, yeah. become a great tradition for us. Any inkling at the time that uh, you would end up having a career at Kansas State, let alone an entire career at Kansas State? No, 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 no. People that people that are in higher ed, particularly student life, are individuals that have a. Uh, have a tipping point or a, a role model, someone while they're at their undergraduate school, influence them enough to say to themselves, well, wait a minute, that's a career. I, I could, I could go into higher ed and, and uh, be around young people and, 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 and build uh, build a sense of community. Uh, so college professors, uh, deans, uh, vice presidents uh, don't uh, ordinarily you don't think usually you don't think about it. There's a there's a person in your life as an undergraduate that was a role model that influenced you. And you decide to, well, wait a minute, I'd like to be like her or him. And mine was Chet Peters. He was our vice president and, and my mentor. 
throughout my, my years at K-State as a student leader and then hired, hired me as a graduate student back in 1971. Wow. Wow. And you were student body president, correct? You, yes. you ran this show. Well, I came uh, just right time, right place. Uh, and came here in '69. Did not know a, a soul. Um, uh, didn't uh, didn't know much about Kansas State other than, than the conversations I had with the director of admissions. Uh, and didn't didn't know anyone. Uh, and uh, four months later, was elected student body president by the largest vote total in school history. Bernard Franklin beat me about five years later. Yeah. He, he was a, a write-in candidate uh, and very popular. At least I was on the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> um, just incredible. I mean, incredible. And then you just never left. And it transitioned into the Weefald years, It's which is, you know, was life-changing for you and a lot of us. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this without the Weefald years, probably. How... Those initial days of John Weefald, when he's coming in and put together his team and dreaming that Kansas State doesn't have to be 16,000 and football can win and all the stuff that he thought of, we can go get the best and brightest in Kansas. How uh, how was that received initially? Uh, he, You have to understand, and you were around President Weefald, so you, you know the personality and, yeah. and his, uh, his passion uh, was just undeniable. He had a can-do attitude and a, and, a, and a look in his eye that uh, was infectious and also sometimes scary for those around us. Uh, <laughs> as, I know there's been books written about him, but during the COVID years, my wife Susan and I uh, uh, binged on uh, several several programs, uh, Suits. And the suits, uh, the lawyer reminded yeah. me a little bit of the, the uh, We Fall days, the suits, uh, Yellowstone, and Sopranos. Uh, <laughs> now, no one really got whacked during the We Fall years, but uh, there was an individual in administration that uh, if, if that person took you out for lunch on a Friday afternoon, you didn't come back uh, on Monday. You were gone. <laughs> you were gone. So yeah, uh, during those initial days, I was his first uh, administrative appointment. Very first day uh, he arrived as president, uh, he called me in his office. We only met briefly in, in, in the hallway when he came in for a, a visit, like in May, just stopped in to say hello. So when I was called to his office, I didn't have any idea what he what he wanted me for. I was assistant vice president in student life, and I had had a job that was was fair, what I thought was fairly impactful. He didn't think much of it. He thought I was like fourth of fifteen. And I just wanted to believe that. But he called me in the office and said, uh, "I'm going to put you in charge of our recruiting efforts, and uh, and I uh, you're, you're going to be able to speak for me." And his charge was <clears throat> that. Within a year, we want one more student, one more new student than we had in the fall of, of 86. We'd gone from like 13,000. We'd gone from 18,000 to about 14,000 during a five-year period of time. And things were in total disarray. And he wanted. To, uh, he said that, uh, that I am going to use the success that we have in enrollments to transform the university. So you're going to be, you're going to establish a beachhead and, and I'm going to give you the resources and authority. He always, when he delegated responsibilities at Tim, he would 
always give you the responsibility and the authority to, to move, um, uh, sometimes move mountains. And, and K-State is a microcosm of universities all over all of the United States, complex, and everybody has a PhD, and they all think they know how to do everything. They may be great at scholarly work or research or teaching, but they believe they can raise money, they can recruit, they know everything about marketing, they, they can do everything. And they've never had the experience in any of that. So everybody has an opinion, and we've all would cut through all that and say, you know, we're going to go this way, uh, and and it had a way of of communicating that vision in a way that everyone would get it. And that was that was part of his tremendous tremendous uh, makeup. Uh, he, he did that throughout his twenty three years. It was remarkable. Transformational leader, tremendous strength, uh, <laughs> and you had to be accessible at all times. He, uh, I'm sitting at our dining room table, and I remember being called Christmas morning, Thanksgiving dinner. Um, <laughs> I, you, you were, I know he called. I'm sure he called you at times. Uh, yep. He was uh, uh, always engaged. And, and he attracted – and the, the, the important part about leadership is you need to attract people around you that believe in the same things you believe in. And he did that. Uh, he inherited an administration uh, – that did not believe or understand uh, his vision. He had individuals initially that he inherited that uh, simply um, were entrenched and were, were thought that the status quo would would uh, would, would help the university. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, was we're predicting decline enrollments, and it was natural that we should decline. We could be smaller and better. Uh, individuals that didn't quite—he <laughs> had. Uh, should, I'm sure people have passed now, uh, but he had a, 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 a finance vice president that didn't know how to uh, free up dollars uh, throughout the university, and, and didn't know how to do it, and and, and we followed would never really take no for an answer. He was always interested in surrounding himself with individuals that were problem solvers, that that uh, he, he had, uh, you couldn't present him with a, a long lecture uh, of, of, of what the problem was. All he wanted was a solution. He never, if you had a mistake on the table, if you made a mistake, you admit the mistake, and then he didn't want to hear about what caused it he wanted to go to the solution. How are we going to solve the problem? Now, maybe later on, he'd worry about, well, how the heck did this happen in a colorful way of expressing that, that uh, often, uh, of, of asking, well, what happened? But initially, he was really interested in how do we solve this? How do we, get, how do, we do it now? How do we, how do we solve the problem now? So we learned a lot from President Weefold. And I don't think there's anything, Tim, that he didn't touch in a positive way yeah. throughout, the, throughout the academy. I mean, everything you just described is uh, a master class in being not only a great leader, but a disruptor. Uh, when the status quo, people have settled into it and accepted it, it's hard to get people out of that um, and realize, no, th there can be something different. And he, he really did reinvent a university that was... Uh, you know, destined for a much smaller status in the academic and athletic world, and he saw something better. And when it came to football, he saw something literally no one else saw, um, seemingly at the time, but uh, that played such a big role. 
and and the enrollment started to turn around. I'd like to point out that I feel like I'm somehow responsible for the decline in enrollment because that was during my college years from 82 to 86. Oh, you were, were mid-80s. I remember yeah. you as an undergraduate. Yeah. Mid-80s, right? Yep, yep. I'm pretty sure uh, my drunken behavior drove off many students, so I feel ashamed. Um, uh, there were a lot of factors uh, that, that uh, affected <laughs> our, our enrollments the, uh, during, during the the, the, the early 80s but in 86 we were we were in horrible shape uh, uh the foundation was not raising a lot of money uh the uh, uh our endowments uh the, the we had no technology at the university to really speak of uh, you know we we often think about the 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 unbelievable uh Success that, that coach uh, coach had uh, in many ways, the entire university was in a was in a, a, a tough bind uh, right. in, uh, across the academy. It really was a very uh, revolved inherited a good school. A good, I mean, we were attractive. You were attracted. We're K State grads. We love our school. We were good. He moved us from good, past successful and great. He, he made us relevant. Right. We became relevant in so many ways. Yeah, I remember I graduated in journalism. We weren't even accredited at the time. Uh, we lost our accreditation. Yeah. In fact, uh, we lost it just, uh, might, it might be just before he arrived. It was another blow to, to Bill Brown, to our, our, our journalism graduates. And uh, yet we, we sold journalism that wasn't accredited. Enrollments went up uh, in the School of Journalism in, in uh, 87, 88, 89. Uh, realizing that we went from, we, we, we enrolled 3,000 more new students from 86 to 89, only won one football game, and we had 5,000 more students uh, in the fall of 92, uh, 5,000 more students than we had in 86. And that was before Coach was successful in football. Right. We had reached our critical mass and we're well on our way. Much easier if we won some football games yeah. during, that, during that time. Uh, but once, once things took off, uh, matter of fact, the other day, I watched the first half of the Texas game in 98. Oh, yeah. What a, what a, I mean, just so many wonderful memories. But anyway, it just, just happened that in 98 we were on our way. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the, I I lay witness to the start of the transformation of the the university aside from sports, and I, I remember when when Doc arrived, it's just like the whole energy of the place changed. We didn't we didn't understand that we were kind of functioning in this downtrodden world because it was just what we existed in, and then Doc came along and started talking about greatness and we can do this and we could do that. And I, I just we felt like there was it. a new energy and, and it just, it almost caught fire. I mean, and, and then you're out there recruiting students along with your team and, and uh, the foundation started moving and the alumni say it was just a magical time for Kansas state university. And he, he I try to explain this to people. He literally saved the university in town. Saved no question. I mean, no question. The, the existence of Kansas State would be so entirely different that without him that I can't even fathom it. Aren't you from Saline yeah. County? Yeah, yeah. from Saline. Well, yep. so, so you didn't get a chance really to express to see the east side of the campus. You came in from the west side and three, three uh, was it three thirteen? Yep. Uh, but let me say that. 
when you came into Manhattan, you came on a two-lane highway, right? eight miles off the interstate. You went over a, a really a, a rickety bridge. There was a giant mill elevator as you as you entered we're going to cross the river in downtown manhattan there's a giant elevator and and there was no mall yep there was a railroad that uh steel and pipe ran right in front right down tunnel creek boulevard a train a freight train that was that was that was 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 uh transporting steel People don't really get the fact that what when you say he transformed the universe and the community, and it was a it was a tremendous it was a tremendous time a renaissance time for from the city of Manhattan, for the county, for the state, uh, and of course for our university, and all and all was the center point of this incredible leader. He really doesn't get enough credit, frankly, no. for all the things he did. No, I one of my promises I made to him uh, before his passing was I'm going to get a road name for him. And and I personally think a dormitory wasn't enough to be named Weefald Hall. It should be an academic building. Um, but uh, those are fights for another day. I think Scenic should be uh, Weefald Drive as it comes into Manhattan because Scenic Drive wouldn't exist without John Weefald in the store. Oh, I like that idea. Uh, let me say, I, I would downplay it. I've been in Weefald Hall. It's a state-of-the-art residence hall. Oh, I agree. And the one thing that, that I can control in, in honoring him uh, and, and wanted to do it in a very, very meaningful way. Uh, it's a beautiful building, and, and kids love it. And, and but more importantly, I, I, I certainly would support uh, the road you're talking about. Uh, that would be incredible. And you're right; it uh, wouldn't have been uh, anything. I mean, he touched everything on the campus, from the signage in the Manhattan yep. to uh, our research, our scholarly work, faculty salaries, enrollments, and of course, athletics is just. Uh, was phenomenal. Uh, success. To bring this more relevant to the current situation, as I observe what's going on with the Big 12 Conference, I see a lot of similarities with Kansas State and now with Brett Yormark being a disruptive leader um, coming into the conference. I'm fascinated by his style. It's certainly a uh, more East Coast style than John Weefald had, but it's highly effective, and he's making people think in new ways and making people realize, no, the Big 12 is not going to die. It's going to be successful, and there's no reason why it won't be. And that's the same thing that Weefald brought to Kansas State. It's it's kind of fun to watch it happen again in a different setting. Well, I was in the room uh, in Aston Hall when it was expressed, maybe we're not going to be in the Big 8 uh, maybe we should be a Wichita state. We'd be better off. And I'm, I'm, words of, of, of people that leadership positions were expressing uh, before John Weefall. Uh, uh, I mean, and I was a, a minor player, almost a fly on the wall, listening to people in, in leadership positions at our school talking about uh, we, we need to be, we can be a, a Wichita state and be in a, a smaller conference and, and uh, still make the impact that people thought we'd be able to make. So yeah, it, it was there. The other, the other aspect is that, that, uh, uh, that, that comes to light is that he was able to bring together people that disagreed that weren't quite on the same page. And he, he was a diplomat, a negotiator. Uh, he could touch the, he would push the right button to make sure everyone was on the, on the, uh, on the same page. 
so that was a, that's something that maybe he didn't write much about. You know, the the the, the morning, uh, the more the day that he passed, we were scheduled to do a national broadcast on his leadership. And we had spent about six months organizing mm. a, a podcast that would involve his uh, administrative team. And he had written a, uh, he wrote about a 17-page email outlining what we should all talk about in terms of our contributions. And uh, the broadcast was get at 9.30 in the morning, and I went ahead to log on, and I couldn't get on. And I thought maybe it was on my end because I'm a technophobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turned out that uh, we got a message that he was sent to the hospital. So even the day he was, uh, he passed, uh, uh, we were uh, having the opportunity to share his accomplishments and, and uh, the, the kinds of things that he did for not only our school, but for the community, the state, and really the country. When you think about NBAP. Yeah, one of my regrets, you, you look back at things. And as you mentioned, uh, when John Weefold had you in his circle, you got called. I mean, it, in retirement, in work, whatever it was, he was going to call his friends uh, and talk about things. I remember being about ready to do my own podcast, and he called, and I, you know, I waved it off and thought I'd call him back, and I never called him back. And, oh. you know, that just sticks with you. You feel just awful. Yeah, but yeah, what a what a remarkable man! But um, he, like you said, you were one of his first picks, and I'm intrigued by how he went about that because he just he he met you for a few moments and knew, and that, yeah, that's another gut. leadership thing. You just know this guy's yeah, this he, person's he had, my team. Uh, yeah, now now he, I, I'm hoping that he would say he made some mistakes down the way of picking people, not very many. But uh, because he, he went with his gut, uh, he had asked around, I guess, uh, and, and, and people recommended if you're looking for someone. Now, I didn't have the heart to tell him that I knew nothing about admissions. <laughs> I never visited a high school. Uh, I, had, I had no idea what we had in place. And, and I inherited a, a $225,000 scholarship budget. We had $225,000 for scholarships in 1986. Unheard of. I mean, we had the, the, the view book that we had, Tim, believe it or not, was done by our publications people that were in the creative arts. And the color of our view book was blue and red. <laughs> Honest to God. I threw them all out. We threw them all out and had to, because I just wasn't going to pass out a view book that was blue and red because of other tendencies I had about the arrival. Uh, but uh, so, so uh, he, uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. He was, uh, he was truly very special. And not only him, but Bob Krause yeah. uh, was, was uh, Bob Krause made everybody around him better. And then you, as you mentioned, the things were rolling on campus and layer in football. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was a, a great deal of patience shown football. Uh, and again, another leadership trait. Um, he didn't just hope that football would get better. He could see it. He could, you know, there was progress there and it took five years to get to a bowl game. But once, once 93 hit and they, they just never looked back. And that too was so transformative for the university because now you've got this beautiful front porch that everyone sees how fun Kansas state is. Well, coach Snyder had a, uh, had a plan 
and articulated that plan day one. I mean, I, would, I, I was in meetings where he, he had his index cards and had a list of things that he wanted done. And, 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 and so if there was any, I, I was never in around, I was never around any conversations, any hesitancy about, about coach. Uh, at all, uh, he had the full support of, of, uh, uh, of course, of President Weefald and Bob Krause and, and the entire administrative team. There was no doubt. And, and he came into a room and asked for something. You wanted to make it happen for him. Uh, maybe it didn't happen as quick as he would have liked, but uh, you wanted to support him, and you felt like we were going to get there. And, and uh, there was always progress. And I, I, I remember probably we didn't have. I remember maybe a couple of years where we didn't have a 500 season in 90 or 91, something like that. But you just felt like it was close. It was close. And we were, we, we still had band day. We had 8,000, 8,000 yeah. uh, kids show up for band day. So, and we recruited them on the buses when they came into town and, and spent uh, two hours uh, with the band. So, so whatever he was doing was giving us a chance to showcase, uh, our school, even though maybe we weren't we weren't having as much success in the wins and losses early on, uh, but you just knew that it was it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I remember band days. I remember the band days before Bremers Coliseum, right? And, and the oh. photos of bus after bus after bus lined up yes. in that that south end zone. It was just it was unbelievable how important band day was to having a full stadium at the time. It was huge, and, and and our recruiters would as we'd meet the buses at because uh, they were assigned geographic areas. So they, they got on the bus at, at the mall, and they were the parade. They they, they marched with uh, our missions representatives, marched with uh, the band members. We had them fill out index uh, interest cards. Then we had games before the the as the team was warming up, and then at halftime they'd all after the performance they'd all leave. And I'll yeah. go. That stadium was empty. So anyway, yeah. but that's Coach before Coach Snyder. Then of course during during uh, during his after his success, we couldn't we couldn't have the band day like we had before because tickets were so scarce and expensive. My, how things changed. Yeah, for the good. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Let's move to your retirement, and uh, you mentioned some of the things you're you're doing. Are you a good youth coach? Uh, I'm. I, I think you would be a good youth coach, nurturing. Well, I appreciate that. And you had little well, little discipline in there, but um, I still fun. Spent, uh, <laughs> I spent 35 years coaching competitive uh, traveling softball, and baseball in Manhattan. I had, I had no the, idea uh, about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It. Uh, I had. Uh, uh, it was my hobby. It was my way of getting getting the, the, the pressure off. And so I spent 12 months out of the year. I was in a position where I could dictate my schedule. Uh, for example, we practice. Uh, <laughs> I would do orientation enrollment in June uh, every day. Uh, but I would I would uh, do my welcome and work with parents and students. And then I would leave the campus for an hour and a half. And we practice in the middle of the day with my 14-year-old uh, traveling softball team out at Optimus Field and come back in the afternoon, showered, and spend the evening uh, with uh, our new students and parents. So people, uh, my family, of course, were involved in it, but that was my way. We had state championships, so we went to nationals a dozen times. I had three three separate groups of uh, students uh, or the players that came out of Manhattan, softball to baseball. 
So yeah, that was my hobby. So I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the game. Now, if I had a choice, I'd probably coach softball more than more than baseball. And and, and really got got uh, a president we followed interest in softball. We came close. He was out several of the games. He watched our our Manhattan Optimus Bullet team uh, play out at Annenberg several times. We put the uh, Kraus and, and Weefald and, uh, and others put the pencil to whether we could bring softball back to, to K-State. It just didn't work. It just didn't, the math just didn't work. Yeah, and it still doesn't Correct. work, but boy, I wish they'd had it. I mean, softball's just blowing up into a really important sport for athletic departments. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I had no idea you did all that coaching. How did I not yeah. know that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was you know, something, unless you, yeah, you know, there's so many great things happening in Manhattan. Yeah. We have so many niches for, for adults and young people and, and children in our town. I saw the, the banner the other day for Manhattan Recreation, uh, June 5th for uh, sign-up. And in Johnson County, where, where my grandchildren are, the, the recreation programs in, in Overland Park, they do other things. They don't know youth programs. Uh, they, don't, they don't have summer softball or summer baseball or winter basketball programs. They rely on community programs. Uh, centers to do those kinds of things so so it, it Manhattan is a very special place you know we can do everything in 10 minutes and do a variety of yeah. activities during the day in Johnson County just yesterday I was in I was in uh, Johnson County my my daughter had uh, uh, my granddaughter had uh, swimming and then dance and then day camp and then a, a softball practice and and those are 30 40 minute drives yeah. between places and and my grandson had robotics and uh lacrosse practice and and and, and swimming so it's amazing what what happens sometimes that we appreciate the fact that everything in manhattan was is, is about 10 minutes to one activity to another whereas Johnson County just in that yeah, way. Just so spread out. I've, I've always said about Manhattan, uh, they're going to drag me out of here because I can fly to whatever place I want to visit and always come back to Manhattan, Kansas for this, uh, I don't want to say simple, but just more stripped down lifestyle where I don't have to have all the tension and traffic. And uncomplicated, uncomplicated. Uncomplicated. That's a perfect yeah, way to yeah, say it. Yeah. The only time we have a problem is during football, basketball nights or afternoons and maybe Friday afternoon uh, around Aggieville. Yep, and of course the the summer road construction. Oh, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we should have really nice roads. Um, you mentioned a couple activities you like to do <clears throat> that intrigued me. Uh, Las Vegas and cruising. Which is your preference? <laughs> Different purposes, <laughs> probably. Think, think, uh, my, uh, uh, I actually started cruising because of We Fall and Kraus. Uh, they in the in the late '80s and early '90s, you didn't have the technology we have on on cruise ships. So I would I would be able to go away for seven or ten days with my family and, and really would have a vacation. Whereas in Las Vegas, they, they'd find me everywhere. Or, or if we went with, we went we went to Florida on the beach, they they would find me. Uh, uh, because uh, their administrative staff, uh, Lynn Lumberg or Dana Hastings, was very really good at finding me anywhere. But, but they couldn't find me on a cruise. So we discovered cruising as a family activity to get away. People think maybe Las Vegas is my favorite vacation place, but uh, I, I, there, there are casinos on cruises these days, so cruise ships. So I, I probably like cruising more. What's your favorite cruise destination, region? 
Mediterranean. Oh, wow. uh, Susan, Susan and I enjoy uh, the Mediterranean, uh, and we've we've tried to go back. Venice is my all-time favorite place in Italy. Have you, have Becky, been to Venice? No, we haven't really been to Europe. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I I, I would tell uh, uh, students at, at K State right, <laughs> that I regretted that not having uh, international uh, travel and not being able to study abroad. Uh, both my kids had that experience, both Chris and Mary Catherine, and I did not. And, and we're just kind of catching up. It, 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 is, it is remarkable. We enjoy the Mediterranean, although the Caribbean is awful nice, too. But we enjoy it. We have a choice at the Mediterranean. Um, as a general observation, one of the things I love about this new generation is they're, they're willing to live a more stripped-down lifestyle um, and so that they have money to travel. I see so many young people in Scotland and, you know, just traveling all over the place. And I'm thinking, what, you know, we were taught to save that for your retirement when you're not physically as physically fit. And here they are in their 20s, 30s, just traveling all over the place. I really admire them for that. Well, I think it's affected higher education. And it's affected the, 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 the people, uh, students uh, out of high school. Uh, thinking about lots of other options and not, career choices, travel, uh, working. Uh, the, the marketplace has changed considerably. And part of it is the interest of wanting to maybe do things more for now rather than later. That I, I grew up, I'm 73, be 74 in October, a generation of deferred gratification. You, you, you saved, you, you looked for the future, you, you thought about, uh, you asked questions about retirement benefits and health care. Today, uh, they're not asking those kinds of questions. They're asking, how much time do I have uh, at home? And can I do this job remote? Can yep. I be at home? Then? And it's a whole other, because I've got other interests. I have, people today have lots of, and even before COVID, I think people have a lot of other priorities in life, and it's not always nine to five. Yeah, I agree. I mean, COVID forced me home to work out of my home, and I haven't gone back. I mean, we just we lost our lease during COVID, which was a, such a blessing, and now I have a studio at home and hang out with two dogs all day. It's it's a pretty good life, and I think I'm actually more efficient doing this because I. Can... Well, you think about you think about the staff, your, your, the staffing requirements, yep. the technology, the the whole things have. have really, I mean, I mean to speak the obvious, I mean things have changed dramatically. Both my both Mary Catherine and, and Chris, uh, my son and daughter, work at home in Kansas City. My son, 23 years, worked for Accenture, traveled around the world, uh, was gone uh, Sunday through Thursday every day for 23 years. Wow. Today, he has a job with corporate America, uh, not Accenture, and, and works at home. Uh, and is, is home with, with, with his wife, Stacy. It's just I mean, incredible. And, and the same thing with my, my uh, daughter who works for Children of Mercy in, in Kansas City and, and my son-in-law who works in medical uh, billing, they're, they're both working at home. It's just a whole nother, whole nother world. And Go ahead. Yeah. yeah I, I'm just struck though, that uh, the technology has connected so many of us. For example, I'm in a prostate cancer support group and I'm the only American in it. It's, it's somehow I, I got invited in as there's a Canadian in it with me, but it's all English 
and I mostly Irish guys that you know in in, in that whole region that it's crawled up into Scandinavia a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm in this group with these guys that all going through the similar things at the similar age, and I know this: if Becky and I ever go to England and Scotland, I got a or in Ireland, and we got a whole bunch of friends over there. It's just crazy right. with how the world's evolved. You know, you mentioned your uh, your plight with cancer, but what you've done to educate uh, all of us about the need for uh, screening and to share your personal story, Tim, is just so impactful. I thank you for that. You're in my thoughts and prayers, uh, you and Becky, uh, what, what you've gone through. And, and your willingness to share uh, your courage is just uh, its just rare, and I greatly appreciate your, uh, your interest in, in helping all of us uh, understand the importance of screening, the importance of prevention, and also... Uh, what what you're going through it 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 gives us all pause and i i thank you for that oh uh, it, you know when when bad things happen um my instinct after that moment of woe is me which you need to get out of as soon as possible um what am i going to do with this that that's my instinct what okay um we we had this happen what am i going to do with this and this was the greatest test of it and i decided early on when i got my you know they gave me 6 years to live and i'm 5 years into that and nowhere close to uh meeting that deadline i'm going to keep going for quite a while and but when they gave me that i'm like what am i going to do with this and i thought you know, I remembered when I got my call from uh, an insurance agent with Select Quote. I was at the NCAA tournament in Atlanta, and I answered the phone. And I don't know why I answered the phone because it looked like a, you know, a spam caller coming in. But I answered the phone, and he told me your PSA score is too high, and I didn't know what a PSA score was. And I had no clue what it was. And wow. I thought, well, I'm not going to let that happen to anyone around me. I mean, they're they're going to know what a PSA score is. They're going to know about testing and the value of testing. And as I got into it, um, I started researching breast cancer and the history of the whole breast cancer awareness movement. Um, and it, it just struck me, we're going through that with prostate cancer. We're just 30 years behind. I mean, we're literally, uh, men don't want to test. They don't know anything about it. They want to ignore it. The medical field really doesn't pay that much attention to it. And I thought, I'm, I got to do something with this. And, and I, I remember telling myself, by God, if it's going to get me, I'm going to save at least two guys. I'm going to come out ahead on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think you've done more than that. Yeah. And I appreciate your comments about African Americans and what, oh, uh, yeah. what, what, uh, the, 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 what the research is indicating for our good friends uh, from that community. Oh, it's, so, it, yeah. you've just done a remarkable job, and I thank you for that. You've yeah. affected more than two people. Yeah, it's uh, uh, minority communities is just awful. And I don't know if it's genetic or access to care, but it's three times the rate. It's awful. Um, but so when you go to Vegas, where do you stay? Do you have a place well, in Vegas? I have, uh, we have, a. I, I, I lose enough money that, uh, <laughs> I lose just enough money that, uh, we get to rooms, uh, comp during the week at, uh, the Harris properties. Uh, nice. sometimes we splurge and, and if I could, <laughs> uh, the Wynn Encore property, which mm. Susan really enjoys, I love it. uh, they, they give you a, a reasonable rate 
only if you play poker six hours every day. You're, and you volunteer to do that, right? I have to do that. I yeah. have to do that so that we have a rate that uh, that we feel comfortable with. It's a sacrifice. So you're a giver. Yes. Someone has to do that. Absolutely. But outside of that, we, we stay at the Harris Properties for the help. Yeah. During the week, during the week, I, I I don't lose enough to be able to have a a, a comp room on the Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. But I well, I'll be all right during the week. plus as you, as you know, Vegas during the week and Vegas during the weekend are two different places. Yeah, right. that's and, true. And uh, uh, the the LA folk roll in uh, and are drunk for three days. Pretty much is what the weekend. That's <laughs> true. That California crowd is yeah. just terrible. Too. Yeah, but, but, but they're lousy poker players, so I like to have them come in. Yeah, <laughs> um, you do love poker, don't you? When did that come about? Well, that's that's a, <laughs> that's right. You're a journalist. I, I forget about that. Strict <laughs> questions. Uh, my uh, my father. Uh, had an eighth grade education, uh, loved K-State. He's buried uh, back in Syracuse, New York, in, Syracuse, New York, in uh, case where the K-State had and the K, uh, K-State park had been. Uh, I'll, I'll remind you, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you about that. Just a okay. park had story, park had pin story moment. But uh, uh, we were playing, we were in Vegas with my, my father and my son, Chris. And the three of us, Walked by a poker, the poker room in in uh, Flamingo, back uh, to uh, probably in the early eighties, and we were intrigued by uh, uh, learning the game together. So the three of us sat down in a poker dealer on a, a quiet Wednesday morning, spent a couple hours teaching us. Uh, Seven card stud, which was the game during during the, the early eighties, and uh, that 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 caught fire. And so, something that my father and my son Chris and I had in common, and so it just just kind of uh, evolved from there. And, and I understand you. We have a mutual friend in Ben Hemmen that you play with. Ben is Ben a good poker player? Because I feel like Ben would have the worst tells in the whole world. You just ben, know what's up with him. You know. <laughs> Ben is a remarkable gentleman. He really is. He's good at everything. I, I would, I, I, Ben. I knew Ben as a student leader at K State. Right. He helped, helped with several projects as an undergraduate, and he's the same way today. Uh, he's he's well organized. He's thoughtful. Incredible manager. If I if I owned a company, he would be one of the first people I would I would hire. He's a fair poker player. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's the loudest at the game, though. He uh, he can get. Um, <laughs> we, we we play we play in a group of all K Staters, and uh, of course Ben is very knowledgeable about K State and everything K State is, as you know, and he's very passionate about everything he does. Uh, he's a real hero of ours. He uh, you know he's had some health issues as well, and, yep. and uh, always comes out with a smile on his face. Just a great guy, man. Uh, tomorrow night. We're doing uh, uh, Chris and his wife Stacy. We host a, uh, a barbecue event, part of the Lenexa barbecue every year on, on Friday night, and Ben helps with that. He doesn't have to, but he just no, that's what he is. pitches in and just rolls up his sleeves and makes things easier for the people around him. Yeah. But as a poker player, he's probably average, <laughs> like I am. I'm a bowl, I'm bowl average. <laughs> um, yeah, when our house flooded years ago, not long after we moved in over here on uh, our little street near near the football stadium, and the first one at our house was Ben. 
to help us. And Is that right? He, yeah, and he stayed for I put in a an all points out uh via text to all my guys that were, you know, my buddies and also we had a Go Power Cat softball team. It was the evolution of the Purple Pig softball team that Doc Weefald pitched for um became the Purple Pig Go Power Cat team and then eventually Go Power Cat, which Ben took over the pitching duties for me. So <laughs> but when I put out the all points, Ben was here within moments i mean i don't know how he got here that fast it was that's, that's ben, ben hemmett that's that ben. is ben hemmett yeah. i remember the afternoon that his mother called me i remember her voice called me i have a high school senior that you need to recruit and it was the spring of his senior year and his and the reason and, and that started my recruiting of ben hemmett he, he his mother called me Maybe. Saying that uh, uh, he is uh, interested, but hasn't hasn't really been focused yet on a school. Thinking about KU, and of course that lit my fire underneath me. And and uh, the rest is history. Uh, and his his brother Adam is a, another wonderful yep. gentleman. Family is great, great people. Well, that's, enough, like. that's enough about Ben Hemmen. We've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me about the power cap pin with your dad. <laughs> oh, my. my uh, we were at um, we were in New Orleans after we lost, and uh, my son and, and my son Chris and, and Susan and I. After we lose, I just kind of get into a funk. Yeah. We were at a restaurant off the uh, off uh, Bourbon Street, and kind of a, a faraway table by ourselves. And a gentleman approached us, comes over, and he says, uh, uh, "Doctor Bosco, I, I've been hoping I'd run into you." And he introduces himself, and he says, uh, uh, when my son was a high school junior, we came in for, for junior day, and you were speaking in Forum Hall, and we brought our four-year-old, our four-year-old with us. And uh, as you were walking around Forum Hall giving uh, your, your speech about K-State, you came over to my four-year-old and, and, and said something to him or, or touched him in some way. I thought he was being disruptive. It turned out you gave him your power cat lapel pin, four years old. Uh, he said, now, I want to let you know that my junior at the time came to K-State and he's graduated. My four-year-old graduated from K-State. Mm. And he takes out his phone. This is this is this this last January. Takes out his phone and he's 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 uh, uh, swiping real quick in front of my son Chris and, and Susan, my wife, swiping, and he shows me the power cat pin that I gave his four year old son back twenty some odd years ago. Actually, it was it was two thousand one, so it was twenty two years ago. He kept a picture of the power cat pin that I gave him. I take the phone from him and I show it to my son, Chris. I said, see that pin? That was our original K-State pin that you put on grandpa's lapel of the sport coat when we buried him 22 years ago. Man. So uh, it was just one of those moments where, my Lord, a gentleman kept this memory. It was looking for me for years. And uh, it was the same. It was the same model pin that we uh, that my son Chris pinned on uh, his grandpa uh, before, as we buried him. That's, so, uh, that's an amazing story. But also, I take from that boy, you're old. 
He, he just, yeah, right. That's true. That is true. You're out there recruiting the, the four-year-olds, and they're graduated into a career. Oh, my God, yes. The generations. Uh, yeah, I had uh, someone sent me a <laughs> – oh, my Lord. I've been so blessed, Tim. Uh, the fact that we're talking uh, four years after I retired, I'm still – you're still interested in someone like me. The uh, uh, I uh, uh, th- th- this fall, someone uh, a nice lady sent me a picture of me and her daughter, a four year old, four or five year old daughter, on the uh, on the the bronze power cat in the back of the alumni building. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 mother, the daughter, and me, and, and she sent me a picture of the mother and her daughter. Who was a K State freshman, <laughs> and the same same picture, or not same same location, and said, so "Just want to let you know." And I didn't know about it. You put it on well, some Instagram or Facebook or something, and someone sent it to me, and uh, it was just the uh, you know the full circle. It's fun yeah. <laughs> to have that kind of memory and impact. I, I've got two more things for you. First of all, I warned you I was going to ask you. Dude, you got a plaza named after you. I don't know anyone else with a plaza. I know people with statues, eat rocks. You have a plaza on campus, and it is awesome. Well, that's got to be just amazing to have your name on that. Overwhelming, humbling. Uh, uh, John Weefall, Bob Krauss, uh, called me into the president's office to tell me that the students were going to do this, and it was going to go before the regents. And I said, yeah, I don't feel comfortable having that happen. Maybe they should wait. And, I, and really what I, I think maybe, Tim, candidly, because of our conversation about President Weefall, I was thinking, you ought to do that for Weefall, not for me, because he's the one that made everything happen. And it was Weefall that leaned across his desk and said, no, you, I want you to have this. You deserve it. It's coming from students, and there's nothing nothing more important for us to have some kind of honor coming like this from, from our students. Uh, yeah, yesterday, yesterday I was at uh, Dick's uh, here in town buying an air hockey table for our, our grandchildren. And, and the air hockey table, uh, 300 pounds and, and uh, all kinds of gadgets and all kind of good stuff. And I have to have someone not only deliver it, but haul it to the basement of our home and then assemble it because I don't even have a screwdriver. And, and uh, I was talking to the, the salesperson, and uh, the salesperson says, you're Pat Bosco. And I said, yeah, well, well we know all about you. And the, the lady next to him said, Bosco like the plaza? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bosco like the plaza. Yeah. That's me. That's me. Um, I would like I would like to – I've had a, a couple of brief conversations with Coach Tang doesn't know me from Adam, but uh, uh, I I would like to be hang with Tang and show up on the Bosco Plaza for one of his programs. I like uh, it. On the purple couch, man. You brought you brought these podcasts together. That Coach Tang was my previous one, and we talked oh, about right? the purple couch. So you you yeah. brought this full circle. Um, and the other thing I've got to ask you about is the purple vehicles. Um, when did when was your first one? And how the heck did you find it? Because purple oh. is not an easy car color to find. It's out well, there. Uh, I had that's a, that's a, I had a great one. Story. But yeah, go ahead. You do? You do? You do? I did. Yeah. I had a purple GMC Jimmy when we first started our company in 98. And I drove that thing in the ground uh, going to games. But yeah, they're hard to find. Well, uh, it's a custom. Uh, it's, all, uh, it's all with Russ Briggs at uh, Briggs. I, I went in and, and we, started with, we started with a Jeep. And I needed a Jeep for softball 
to haul uh, kids and equipment around. Interesting. And all I had was a, uh, a, a, a Sabre Buick, I think it was at the time. And uh, I started with a gray Jeep with a, uh, a small power cat and a purple stripe along the side. And uh, I had I had that Jeep from Briggs, and he put the power cat on and, the, and, the, and the, a small purple line. The next Jeep, I, I went in with, with Russ, because I know nothing about cars, and cars have never been important to me. I said, what about the possibility of painting a Jeep purple? He said, we could do that. And I said, I couldn't afford what it would cost. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll split it with you. So he split the cost of, of, of the paint job, and they came up with a purple color that I had several Jeeps, and then I moved into uh, Affinity, then Affinities, I had several Affinities, and then uh, uh, then finally a couple of Lexuses. But they've always been negotiated, I shouldn't say negotiate because Russ really organized everything for me, it was very gracious. Uh, we split the paint job. And it an eight thousand dollar paint job. Oh eight thousand dollars. So I still have I still have my last Alexis. I drove it to Kansas City yesterday, and it uh, it's a hit. No matter where we go, uh, people comment and, and know about it, and and so it's a, it's just fun to have around. And people still take their pictures uh, uh, with it. Uh, uh, K Staters, no matter where I am, uh, they want to come up and have a picture along the with the purple car and tomorrow we'll take it to the next barbecue and, and, uh, and then it'll be a, it'll be a hit, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and Russ Briggs organized it many, many years ago and kept it going. That's incredible. Is it the same shade of purple he's been using? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same shade. They, they call it K-State uh, uh, Bosco purple at uh, Briggs. I was going to say, they better call it Bosco purple. Yeah. Purple. Uh, Cause it's spot it's on. Good. It's the perfect color. It really yeah, is. It, it is. It is. It's striking. Uh, it is striking. Well, it's I, amazing. Even in retirement, you're out selling. You're, you're selling always, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, this morning I had an email from a, a parent uh, in, in Colorado. Uh, his, uh, his, he wanted me to visit with his son, who's a high school junior, uh, who's interested in coming to K-State. And we organized a, a conversation with our financial aid people. And he's into lacrosse. We have a, a club lacrosse team and the good people at Rec Services hooked him up with all the good information about, about, uh, about our lacrosse club. Hey, we, we've lost some good people in the last few years. I know we saw we saw each other, uh, uh, Becky, you and me uh, had a brief conversation at the Jack Veneer yep. service and Ernie's service. Yeah. Uh, we also lost uh, Mike Holen, who was a, a tremendous, yeah. you know, he was our faculty faculty rep for uh, for the Big 12 for a number of years and represented us through the, the WeFald years. Uh, Susan Scott. Uh, was one of the founders of the leadership studies program, along with myself and Bernard Franklin. She passed away. Uh, it was just, uh, and of course, uh, uh, Jack Veneer. The Veneers have been wonderful to K State in Incredible. so many ways. My my Bosco leadership scholarship program was uh, was established uh, by Mary Veneer. Yep, uh, helped uh, help us get that started. So they just been absolutely. I know they've been good for you as well. Yeah. Been good and supportive to you as well. Yep, they, they they define Kansas State generous beyond understanding, and humble. They don't display their money. Uh, you don't have any clue. It's just it, they're they're the definition of K-Staters in that sense. Oh, 
so authentic and sincere and genuine. Yeah. Oh, just absolutely. We're so blessed. So blessed. Well, Pat, I appreciate it so much. This has been, this has been fun. This has been great. Um, and, uh, let's, uh, I don't play poker, so don't invite me. Unless, uh, unless you want to take all my money, um, well, we'll teach you. We have we have we have teachable moments. Uh, like <laughs> when you when here's what you did wrong when you went all in with the pair of twos. Yeah, that, no, that was that wasn't good. We're, we're just glad you're around us. <laughs> Tim, uh, thank you for, for honoring me with this uh, program. I'm not sure how helpful I was I, uh, or informative, but I, I I enjoy you from a distance. I I don't really understand all the technology stuff. My uh, my uh, brother-in-law, Tom Carlin, uh, sends me uh, stuff from the, from the Internet. He might be interested. So I, I get a chance to keep up with you that way. And I, I, do, I do get on YouTube. And so I, I, I see some of your stuff on YouTube. And I watch The Drive. Good. Occasionally I watch that. I think you're too uh, – I think you, you, you're trying to be too polite with KU. I, I just wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. That's not only criticism, Tim. You try to be uh, diplomatic. I, uh, diplomatic, right? Yes, yes. And I could never be really diplomatic. I I love driving the purple car now through Lawrence. When uh, uh, years ago, people would wave to me, but they wouldn't use all their their fingers. It's very very but, nice. Have, wave. And, but now now I can answer them back because I'm not anybody's payroll. <laughs> Well, that's that's good. I'll have to maybe take that up sometime. I'm not sure. Pat, thank you so much, man. You're the best. Love you. Appreciate everything you've done for Kansas State through the years, and uh, it's it's a better place because Pat Bosco is part of it. No, you're very kind, and Tim, thank you, and you're in my thoughts and prayers. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. Go Cats. How do you not love that dude? Even if you've never met Pat Bosco, just listening to that enthusiasm in his voice. Man, he loves Kansas State, and he did so much for Kansas State. When your legacy is having both a plaza on the campus named after you and a K-State purple color named after you, you've left a lasting impact. But those aren't the great things that Bosco will be remembered for. It's all of his connections with people. He knew who I was as a student body member in the mid-80s, maybe because I worked for the Kansas State Collegian, but through the years, he knew so many of us who attended Kansas State. It's a gift for connecting with people in real ways, completely sincere and amazing. Kansas State will forever remember Pat Bosco and his impact. And I'm so glad he's my friend to this day because he's a special man and a special part of this university's history. Well, that's it for this week. Remember, man, get out there. Get that PSA scored. Make sure you stay ahead of prostate cancer. Trust me, you want to do it. Thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you real soon.